Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings. Today we're talking about singleness. This is a two-part. Uh, tomorrow, my wife Jessica is going to be with us, so make sure that you hit that follow button, turn on that bell uh, for notifications so that you don't miss a single moment. My wife has some wisdom, I believe, to impart, not just to the women, but to men as well. Um, from a lady's perspective. I think it's so important. So I'm really excited about that. Today we'll be in part one. Here's some of the main points. Singleness is not a curse, and it's not a season to quote-unquote get through. Um, And I'm excited to talk about that today. So we have a couple announcements really quick. Guys, thanks for listening. There's people hopping in all the time, so I might repeat myself, but it's because this could be someone's first episode. If you didn't know, we were in the top 1% of all podcasts being shared last year out of every single podcast. That's Joe Rogan. That's Oprah. That's Ellen. That's whoever has a podcast. We were in the top 1%. That is incredible to me. That means you guys aren't just listening, but you're sharing. You are, you're hearing something that means something to you, and you're sharing it with someone else. So I want to encourage you, please keep doing that. It is so easy to hit that copy link button or whatever uh, platform you're listening on. Just forward it to a couple of friends and some family members. Uh, repost it to social media. It, it makes such a difference um, in helping get the word out. If it means something to you, it could mean something to someone else. Uh, next announcement, my discipleship school. Super excited. Uh, our first 20 slots have been claimed. Uh, so we had over 70 people uh, submit Uh, interest uh, requests, and then we've had 20 actually follow up and apply. And so we've got room for more. If you want to be a part of our online discipleship school, it's going to be five days long, uh, July 10th through the 14th. Apply today. It only takes five minutes. It's free to apply. Uh, You can do so at the link in the description of this podcast. There should be one. Um, If you can't find it there, then go to um, my Instagram page and send me a DM at Shane.winnings and uh, I will get you that form. I'm so excited. We're going to dive into identity, gifts of the spirit. We're going to take tons of questions, lots of back and forth. It's going to be a really great time. Um, And we're just going to get to, you know, fellowship and commune digitally with a bunch of other people who are burning for Jesus and who want to learn how to live uh, more equipped and more bold for Christ in this perverse and dark age that we're living in. So please apply to that. Um, Next, we are still looking for partners. We need 70 more partners to reach our goal for the year of $30 a month. That's only $1 a day. So if you guys have been blessed by anything we do in the ministry, uh, please sign up at shanewinnings.com. Just click the give button. Just a dollar a day would make such a difference. We've had 30 people sign up, so we've, we were at 900 a month. We still need quite a bit more because we want to hire on some people, and we want to be able to pay them. Uh, and we want to put out more and better content. We want to build a studio. I mean, we've got a lot of plans, but we can't do any of that stuff without your help. So thank you to you guys who already partner. We appreciate you more than you know. And if you want to partner again, shanewinnings.com. Just uh, click the Give button. Make sure that you send me a DM on Instagram so I can include you in the monthly Zoom. We've got one coming up soon. I'll be sending an email out uh, this week regarding that. And then finally, for my nonprofit overcomers, we're doing the annual fundraiser. This is just a secondary way that you can help 
uh, give to the ministry. There should be a link in the description or through the link in my bio uh, on Instagram. And we're hiring. So we're fundraising for two positions. We're hiring two positions, uh, a podcast and a social media director and, uh, and a videographer editor who that position you would need to travel. So, you know, I've got a trip to Hawaii coming up. Wouldn't it be cool to come with me to Hawaii, shoot some video, make some uh, cool clips and stuff like that. So if you're interested, please submit a resume um, and you can find more info on that on my Instagram. Just send me a DM. So let's get into this. We're talking about singleness. I think it's important. My wife brought up a good point. I can't wait to have her on tomorrow. She said, God doesn't owe you a relationship. God, God's word doesn't promise you that you're going to get married. You know, I think that we have this idea that as Christians, you know, um, e- even the joke, you know, I think about it at, at Christian universities and Christian colleges, you know, they have this joke, it's called Ring Before Spring, and it's about, you know, girls getting engaged. And we joke about at ministry schools, you know, you're going to meet your spouse there. And I think that there's a there's a fun dynamic to that, but if we're not careful, it can become an expectation. Like we think it's part of the package of being a Christian or going to a ministry school or going to a a Bible school or or whatever, getting involved in a church like, oh, I'm going to meet my spouse here. And while that totally could happen, and that is a wonderful place to meet a spouse, because how many of you know, you're probably not going to meet a person burning for the Lord uh, downtown late at night, um, you know, tipping back mixed drinks or beers. Like, that's not the place to be looking for your spouse. So if you're trying to find your spouse at happy hour, you're probably going to the wrong place. You should, you know, uh, just get plugged into your church. We're going to talk about looking for your spouse. But the point is that it can actually become this expectation on accident. And here's how you can find out if it's an expectation in your mind is that you are disgruntled or you're disappointed, or you might even be frustrated with God or just in general because you can't find your your spouse yet. And I believe there's multiple sides to this. You know, there's there's the whole thing of like, well, well, maybe your spouse isn't ready to meet you yet, and so God is working on them. That could totally be true. The flip side is you're not ready to meet your spouse. You would screw it up if you did. And so God's working on you, or maybe God's working on both of you. But the one thing that we need to get down for sure is that God's word doesn't promise this. God doesn't owe us a relationship. He doesn't owe us a spouse. He doesn't owe us a picket-fenced brick house on five acres. He doesn't owe us these things. Now, are we going to have longings in our heart? Yes. Are we going to have dreams? Yes. And those things should last. The Bible says that love hopes all things, but that hope has to be in Jesus, not in uh, an expectation of how your life should or shouldn't go. Because if you put your hope in something that you can't control and something that doesn't endure forever, you're going to be let down. But if your hope is in Jesus and you know, Lord, you told me to make my request known. You're a good father. You want to know these things. Look, I desire companionship. I desire to to have a family and to raise kids and all this stuff. I desire to, you know, show my love to someone. But my trust is in you. You know what's best for my life. You know when is the right time for me to meet a spouse, if you even want me to have a spouse. Guys, let, let me just say something that might not be popular, but you need to hear. 
if you need a spouse to be okay, or you need a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you're not okay. If you need someone in your life to be okay, you're not okay. Now, does that mean that uh, people can't pour into our lives? We don't benefit from relationship. We can't add to each other, pour into each other. A hundred percent. That's not what that means. Because my wife totally makes me a better person. She pours into me. She she leads me closer to the Lord. I mean, just getting to love her and receive love from her is such a blessing. But if I need her, I'm in trouble. You don't need a human to complete you. You should be complete in Christ. So I know what we're saying when we say, and maybe the world actually means this, and I think they do, even on some level, but they say things like, you're a better half, right? Or my missing piece, my other half, my soulmate. I can't find that stuff in the Bible. I'm just being honest. Jessica is not my half. She isn't half of me. She doesn't have she doesn't make me up because I am complete in Christ. That that has no reflection on her. It doesn't matter who it is or what it is. There is nothing on this earth that helps make up who I am. Because what you're saying if you have that opinion is that if that thing goes away, then half of me is gone. And I think it goes beyond just a, a, a sentimental thing when we say stuff like this because it's revealed uh, through the lives of people. You know, people, they, they break up or they lose, they, they divorce or, or someone passes away and that person is not just crushed, but they are no longer effective. Some people even go as far, you know, they, they fall into a deep depression. Some of them even kill themselves. That is an awful thing that is totally preventable. Does it mean that you won't miss your spouse? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that you wish things would have gone better? Come on, like, th this is obvious. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm saying is, let me, let me, let me give another example. This isn't a dating one, but this is the same exact principle. When I was a cop, I remember that there was this um, mom that I had to interview and her, her young son had just been killed. And she said something that broke my heart. She said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was born to be a mom and now my son is dead. Now, that is horrific. No mom should ever have to bury her kid, especially before he hits the teenage years. But if you're alive to be a mom, then what happens when you're not a mom anymore? You don't see a reason to live. And that's exactly what she said. She said, I have nothing to live for anymore. There's no reason for me to be alive. I might as well be dead. I might as well just end my own life. She was saying these things to me. Now, is the loss of a child going to be tragic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we're, we're, we were never meant to experience death. That was never part of God's plan. That's why it hurts so bad. And while Christ defeated death on the cross, death has not been destroyed yet. That's why Revelation says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's because death still happens. 
we have conquered death through Christ in the fact that while we pass on from this earth, we're going to live forever because we have eternal life in Jesus. But we still die a physical death. We still experience that. And we still have to go through the heartache of losing people that we love. And that was never God's plan. That's why it hurts so bad. But I can't be alive for another person because if that person goes away, then there's nothing for me to live for anymore. Is this making sense? It is so important that our hearts, our entire being, our entire life belongs to Jesus Christ because in the realm of dating, it is the same way. I have watched people who were in relationships and they experience the worst betrayal or they experience whatever. And all of the sudden, it's like they're having an identity crisis because this was my better half. This was my missing piece. This was my puzzle piece. This was my soulmate. You're my everything. You're my life. I get what people are saying. And I believe that, you know, some people are just saying it because they don't know how else, how else to express how much they love someone. But if we're not careful, we can actually begin to view someone else as my whole life, my everything. And, and, and no one deserves that title except Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus is the one who told us, lose our lives for his sake. Not for his sake and for your spouse. It's for his sake. Why? Because when I lose my life for Jesus... I'm going to receive the one he paid for, and I'm actually going to become exactly who he wants me to be for that person. And I've talked about this before in Becoming Love. This is the principle. I have something to give instead of something to need. If you need another human to complete you, you are not in a good place already. And if you meet that person, check this out. If you need a person to complete you and then you meet that person, they are only going to be fulfilling a need. So you won't even be able to, and I'm not saying God won't trans transform you and take you to that place if you're willing, if you yield, because he's a perfect father. But if you need someone and then they come into your life, then they're simply meeting a need. And so you're just going to be constantly having your need met, you're not going to actually be able to love them biblically because love gives. And while you might give and you might serve, and you know, some people overserve and it's a form of insecurity. And we can talk about that another time. Some of the most humble, servant-hearted people, the people who slave away, you know, oh my gosh, you volunteer 80 hours a week, like you're insane. Some people who overserve, it's actually out of a place of insecurity. That would be a that, that's another great episode. We need to do that because that can set some people free. But this can happen in a relationship. Listen, you need that person, they finally come into your life and you begin to what you think is loving on them, but really you don't want them to leave. In your heart, you might be saying, man, I love this person. I just want to show them how much I love them. And that could be genuine and that could be true. And I'm sure it is for most people. You're, you're just simply trying to express your love, but there is a hidden thing where you actually need this person, where it's not just, I love you. It's, hey, I love you. You know, say it back. Come on. I want to hear it back. Do you still love me? Do you like me? We're, we're, we get into this kind of insecure place and all of the sudden we can't just love freely 
which has no expectations. True love has no strings attached. True love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't seek its own. It's 1 Corinthians 13. True love is completely fulfilled by Christ, and so when you meet the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you are just constantly pouring into them from the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. If I have a detrimental need in my life to be in a relationship and then I meet a person, they are only going to be fulfilling a need and I will recognize that and I will not want them to leave because then the one thing I needed just got ripped away from me and now I have this need again. And what happens is people go out and they begin to try to fill that need with temporal things. And that's when people get into trouble. They get depressed or they get hurt, they get angry, and so they begin to backslide, they begin to do things to validate and to feel good, and all of a sudden you're living a sensual life. And maybe you can agree, maybe you can identify with that as you're listening. So the first step is this, guys. If you're in a state of singleness, you need to understand that it is perfectly normal and okay to have a longing for companionship. To, to have a, a desire for a family to, to show love to someone, but you cannot need that to be okay. If you can't be okay single, then you're not okay. And nothing will make you okay. So if that is kind of a, if there's an alarm sounding in your life right now as you're hearing this, don't feel condemned, don't be upset, just recognize, oh man, I've allowed this to become a need where... I'm not just praying for God to give me a spouse because I'm ready to start a family and I want to love someone. I actually have reached a place in my life where I think that I need that to be okay and I won't be okay until I have it. Guys, let's give that up. Let's say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my desires. You know that I'm I'm just longing to, to meet the person I'm going to spend my life with. I'm ready to... I think that I'm ready to, to show my love to them and to just pour into them and to start a family with them and to raise God-fearing kids like, God, I want all of these things. But before all of that, I want to make sure that I am fulfilled by you alone. Because guys, let me tell you something. You could meet the person of your dreams and you'll screw it up. If you have something to need instead of something to give, somewhere down the line you won't be able to truly love them. Life will test. Life will get hard. Your communication might fail at some point, you know, because it's easy to miss each other. But if you're loving, it's so easy if there's a miscommunication to pursue love, to pursue truth. But if you both need each other, then what happens is when, when something is off, you begin to you know, kind of analyze and assess and all of a sudden you're feeling weird and you're, you've got all this strife and this tension and then it's like, it's like these wounds that were hidden begin to get exposed over time. And this is why we see people go from the quote-unquote honeymoon phase into quote-unquote reality. Which let me tell you, if you're fulfilled in Christ and you marry the right person, the honeymoon phase never has to end. For my wife and I, it has gotten better every single day for the last six years. It's gotten better. Our life is better now than it was when we were dating, when we were engaged, when we were first married. It's gotten better. Why? Because we love the Lord first. 
and we get fulfilled by him first, and then we're able to love each other. And because we're trying to love each other, we're trying to outserve each other, we've reached this place where even if we're missing each other in our communication, we're both striving to love, I'm not able to step back and go, oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, um, I thought everything was good when we first met. You were meeting all my needs and now you're not. I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't even, that's what people do. Instead of being loving and saying, hey, what's going on? I noticed that you've, you know, you've seemed a little different or they'll come up to you and say, hey, are you okay? You know, you've seemed a little bit off and you can talk through it because you just love each other and and you want to make sure each other are are fulfilled, not worried about them fulfilling you. This is so key, guys. And this is the things we need to be thinking about this when we're single, because if you get yourself into a relationship before you're ready and you're simply just fulfilling needs, these things are going to get exposed down the road. I have a lot of friends who were married and seemed very excited and then life happened. And now they're not married anymore. And that really sucks. And that stuff is so preventable. And it is because, and I believe this, a lot of people can't handle the season of singleness. So they're jumping from relationship to relationship. They're bouncing back from one to another. And they're saying, no, it's not a rebound. I'm truly over that. And I just really feel like God's doing the. We've got all these spiritual reasons why it's okay to jump into another relationship when it's much harder to stare ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? I think I've got some things I need to, to work on. I think I've got some things that need to be healed. I think I'm not ready for a relationship, even though my flesh really wants one, even though I miss the thought of being in one, I need to see what God has for me in this season of singleness, no matter how long it is. I, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of dating. I'm tired of all this stuff. I want the next relationship I'm in to be the one. And so instead of going out and trying to make it happen, I'm going to present this request to the Lord. Lord, number one, please have your way in my life. Do whatever you want to do in me, with me, for me, whatever it is. I am completely giving myself to you. Two, God, I'm letting you know. I'm presenting my requests, and I don't need to do it every day because you're a good father and you don't forget. But let me just say this once for all. I really want to be married one day. I really want to have kids. I really want to do this. I'm trusting you with my spouse, and so I'm asking you to put them in my life in a way that I can't miss it. I'm not going to go try to make it happen. I'm not going to get on dating apps. And guys, listen, I'm, I'm just sharing my honest opinion. I think many people try to fast track the promise of, well, not the promise of God, because again, we're not promised a relationship, but we're, we're trying to fast track something for God. I haven't really thought through this too much, but I feel like I just want to say this. I don't know if a dating app is inspired by the Lord. I don't, you know, feel free to send me some DMs on, with your thoughts on that. But I just feel like, you know, they didn't have dating apps 100 years ago. I feel like there's this place where we can just say, God, I'm okay being single until you're ready for me to be married. And I trust you to introduce me to my spouse when it's time. 
And so until then, I'm just going to keep pursuing you. You know, I heard this uh, a long time ago. It was directed towards women, but it applies to anyone. Um, It says, um, have your heart so rooted in Christ that your spouse has to um, pursue Jesus to find it or something like that. Where the concept is like, you're running after God, not a person. You know, so I'm not on dating apps. I'm not going out and trying to mingle and trying to meet people. I'm not being isolated, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not going to sign up for speed dating or something. I'm not trying to make this thing happen. I'm just going to live my life and I'm not going to try to, I can't say that enough. I'm not going to try to make it happen for myself. I'm just going to live my life. And as I'm pursuing Jesus, I'm believing that my spouse is also pursuing Jesus and we are going to run into each other. Not pursuing each other, but both pursuing the Lord and then we meet. And I truly believe that that is what trusting God is. And that's what happened to me. I was in a relationship. It didn't work out. And I just felt like the Lord told me, I don't want you to, to talk to anyone. I don't want you to try to date anyone. I don't want you to try to do anything. I want you to be with me. And I was like, okay. you know. And that was hard for me because I had just got born again. And so before that, I was always used to being entertained being stimulated in some way. I was always texting someone, even if it was just innocent, you know, just, just, just texting, Hey, good morning or good night. Or, Hey, what's up? You know, just like, just like kind of trying to always be talking. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Where you just, you're just, let's be honest. You're really just using people. You're just using people to feel better. Because it feels good to have someone say goodnight to you or good morning to you or to care about what you're doing. You know, you're, you're, it's, it's using people. And when I got born again and I found myself in this place of being single, I felt like the Lord opened my eyes to that. And I remember sitting at the, at the uh, bar top of my house at the time that was in the kitchen and I was sitting there and I was just saying, Lord, and I was all by myself, you know, I was in a, I owned a five bedroom house at the time, which I've, I don't, I don't know why I bought that just because I got back from the war and I was like, um, I want to buy a house, you know, and I had a couple of buddies living with me previously and then they moved out. And so it was just me in this five bedroom house. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, when you live in a big house like that, you're just super aware of the fact that you're alone, you know, you feel like, uh, you're sitting, uh, by the window on a rainy day and you're looking out and like, you can see through another window, everyone's in love and everyone's happy. Or it's like everywhere you go, you know, I would try to go to the gym and there would be couples, you know, everywhere holding hands and they're walking on the treadmill. And it's just like, you're hyper aware that everyone else is in a relationship, but you, (laughs) and I just remember sitting in my kitchen and I was like, Lord, help me. I don't even know how to function like like this because I feel like my mind is constantly wanting more. Because I remember even when I was being stupid, uh, when I wasn't born again, even when I was in college or when I was 
um, after college when I was in the military and I was just, you know, being wild and being crazy, I still had a longing for a spouse. I didn't want to be one of these like, you know, playboy kind of guys who's just, I, I never wanted to be one of those guys who just played girls. Like I wanted a family. I always wanted that. And which is funny because I was so dumb for so many years because in my mind when I was single, and maybe this will help you, I had no discipline whatsoever. I mean, one, I wasn't born again. I wasn't filled with the spirit. I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't thinking about other people. I was thinking about me. And so if I, if I met someone, you know, it would be like there was no um, reverence for them as a person or this might be my spouse or this might be someone else's spouse and I should really respect them. It was like the single scene, you know, everyone's just kind of hanging out and, and you might be someone I date, you might not, but we'll have fun in the meantime. That stuff is so dumb and it produces no life. And so it's such a paradox to me that I desired a marriage. I desired a family that was raised in church and that loved God. But in the meantime, I'm like entertaining myself with people that, well, we're not going to get married. So whatever that, that is so stupid. And so as I get born again, and as I'm in this season of singleness, the Lord was like detoxing me from the way that I was raised, not by my parents, but by the world, the way that I was fathered by the world, because my parents did a good job, but you know, you're in school, you're with buddies, you're hanging out with people, you know, as you get older, you're spending less and less time around your family and you will be fathered by whatever you're allowing into your life, whoever you're hanging with, whatever you're listening to, that's music, that's movies, that's whatever. And all of a sudden you're being fathered into a certain way of thinking. And if it's not spirit filled, then it's going to be totally sensual. It's going to be totally worldly. And so I'm sitting on my, uh, in my kitchen and I'm like, Lord, how do I go deeper in my relationship with you? How do I uproot this thing in me that just wants to be talking to a girl or something like that, even innocently, because now I'm born again and I'm thinking pure hearted and I'm thinking like legitimately, I only want to date for marriage. I don't want to have sex before marriage. I don't even want to cross any lines. Like I want to be totally pure. And I felt like the Lord began to speak to me. And I've shared this before, but this was a, a marking profound moment in my life when the Lord said, Shane, you have driven so many miles to take a girl on a date or to meet up with a girl who lives in a different town. You have stayed up for hours and hours and hours on the phone. Uh, you've fallen asleep with the phone in your ear when you were in high school, like talking to a girl. You have spent so much money on girls. You have done so many things to try to pursue girls. And he asked me why. And, and these are the thoughts that came to my head, but they were directed at me. And so I knew the Lord was speaking to me and he said, why did you do all that? And I said, well, because I thought it was worth it. Like at the time, I, I mean, I wouldn't have spent a ton of money on a college girlfriend if I knew it wasn't going to work out. We just never would have dated. But I didn't know that. So at the time, I'm pouring all of my time, my money, my everything into this because I thought it was worth it. I thought it would work out. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Shane, I want that from you. 
He said, you want to know how to go deeper with me? You want to know how to have an intimate relationship with me? One that is costly, one that many people don't have, one that many people don't want to have because it's costly. He said, I want you. And he began to say things to me that it made sense to me. He, he, He said, Shane, I want you to drive all night to be with me. I want you to stay up late to talk to me. I want you to to spend money that you don't have on me. And the Lord was simply uprooting the things that I had done in the world for girls, and he was redirecting it towards himself. And he showed me how I would go the extra mile for a human, but I had never done that with the Lord. I had never even thought of doing that. I didn't even know you could. And when the Lord said that to me, I began to cry in my kitchen because I was like, oh my gosh, this desire that I have needs to be directed towards the one person who has created me, who loves me, who's paid the price for my life, and most importantly, right now in this season, who will never betray me. The Bible says the Lord will never betray us, that I'll never be ashamed for trusting in him. He'll never forsake me. I can put all of my hope in the Lord. I'm called to. I can put all of my eggs in this basket, and this is the one relationship in my life that I can guarantee he is never going to walk out on me. He's never going to betray me, backstab me. He's never going to speak ill about me. He's never going to change his mind. And the Lord began to show me, you have a misplaced desire. And I was like, oh. And it clicked. It instantly clicked. And so I began to see that I have the ability to sacrifice for the Lord. I've just been doing it for humans. And so I made this um, declaration. I said, you know what? I'm not going to date anyone. I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm not going to entertain anything because I am giving myself to the Lord. And I even would tell people, you know, close friends, like I'm dating the Lord, which, you know, can sound goofy and it's, I'm not trying to be hyper spiritual or anything, but in that was for me. In my mind, I needed to see it as that because all of the things I did to date humans, I needed to do for the Lord. And so, and some of you have heard this before, but I, and I heard uh, some of these ideas from some buddies of mine, but I, I began to buckle the passenger seat of my, in my car when I would get in. I'd say, okay, Lord, here we go. I needed it to be real. I needed to see that Jesus was with me. I would go to a restaurant. I'd order two plates of food. I wanted to see that I'm, I'm not alone, that I'm literally out with Jesus. And I'm telling you, when you're eating at a restaurant in a booth by yourself and you look across the table and there's another hot plate of food, you're thinking, wow, like, Jesus, you're really here. Like, I'm not crazy and out of my mind. You're, you're actually here. And that plate of food, to me right now, it just represents the fact that you're sitting at this table. And so I'd begin to do things like this. And wouldn't you know, and this is what the enemy does, that when you dedicate yourself to the Lord and you say, I'm not talking to anyone, I'm not dating anyone, I'm not whatever, people start coming out of the woodworks. Oh, man, you know, hey, how you doing? I saw that you, you know, you're not with that person anymore. I always liked you, always whatever. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Now, this is when you decide to drop this on me. What happened six years ago? Now? Isn't that so funny? How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you have this dedication to the Lord where you're like, 
it's like your spiritual eyes are opened. And so you're not caught off guard by that. You go, I see exactly what's happening here. I've dedicated myself to the Lord, and now all of these people are coming out of the woodworks. I don't think so. I'm in a spiritual war, and I'm not going to give in. And so I persisted in this single season for mm, the better part of half a year, um, which for me was a long time because I'd never gone that long, you know, since high school without even really talking to someone. And it was during this season that I ended up meeting Jessica, and many of you know our story, but what was great about um, when, when I met Jess was that I was trying to kill our relationship from the start because I was so worried that she would mess up what I had with God. And that was such a special feeling to have. And I had never felt that way before because before when I was not born again, I would always have my desires and then I would hope that they were also Christians. So I would be like, man, and I, you know, I really like this girl and I'd start talking to her and, you know, hey, hey, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Doesn't everybody? Okay, perfect, perfect. You know, because I'm a Christian and I got to make sure you're a Christian too. And then we would like, you know, party together and all that kind of stuff. It's so dumb. But do you see how I would try to fit God in on the back half? And you know as well as I do, you compromise so much when you're living out of your flesh and you just really want something. So you'll be like, oh, well, you know, they're not that serious about their faith, but it's okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to share with them. No, you're not. Not really. You're going to share with them over some drinks or whatever. It's, it's dumb. And so for the first time in my life, I was at this place where, oh my gosh, I care more about my relationship with God than a girl. And I met my wife, Jess, and she's extremely beautiful and she was wonderful. And I cared more about my relationship with God than to me, the perfect girl. And so I remember when I first met her, I was trying to kill it. I was on her social media. I was looking for worldly things. I was looking for sensual things so that I could say, ah, there it is, red flag. Can't do anything with it. You know, the, the, the bikini picture with the Bible verse in the caption. And it's like, dude, this is not about the Bible. This is clearly a picture of your body. I couldn't find one of those. And so I was like, man, I think this girl really loves the Lord. And, um, and so I remember asking God, I said, God, you and I have had this thing going on. Um, can I message this girl? And that's where our story picks up. You know, he says, why not? He says, your heart is finally pure. You're not messaging her for anything other than you really want companionship and you really believe that this could lead to something. And you're not trying to get anything physical. You're not trying to do something perverse. Your heart's pure. Why not? Go ahead and message her. And I felt like I had this green light and it was blessed from the beginning. And look at us now, you know, uh, what is it? Six years together. We've got a kid. I mean, our life is just, it's been so incredible. And I truly believe it's not just because it was blessed from the beginning, but it started with the season of singleness where God began to work on me because he revealed to me, you're not okay. <laughs> You've been using people. You need to learn how to be alone. 
and not just alone as in alone. You need to learn how to be alone with me. You need to learn how to pursue intimacy with the right person, and that is me. And and in that season of pursuing the Lord, I really, I learned so much. And uh, man, it's been such a blessing. And so, you know what? I had some other stuff I want to talk about. We might end up doing a part three because there are some biblical uh, passages regarding should I even be in a relationship? Should I even get married? Um, what does God want for me? We're going to talk about those things in part three. Uh, part two tomorrow, we'll have my wife Jessica on giving her take. Um, we'll be asking her some questions, kind of having a cool little conversation. So I think you'll be blessed by that. But guys, listen, I hope that this helps someone. Walking in your season of singleness, listen, this isn't something that you're trying to get through. It's not a grade that you need to attain or a class you need to pass. This is a precious time where you get to learn what it means to be made whole by the Lord, to be complete in Him, to not need anyone or anything else. And if you can reach that place, you will truly be healthy, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, especially, you know, you have more time being alone, you should be working out, you'll be physically um, healthy, and you will be ready when you meet your spouse to give them the love of Jesus instead of trying to get something from them. Amen? Hey, if this blessed you, please share it. Uh, look, if you're looking for a little more encouragement in your walk with the Lord, I wrote a devotional. It's only $10. It's on Amazon or my website, shanewinnings.com. The book is called I Will Always Overcome, available paperback or ebook. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. Can't wait for tomorrow episode of my wife. We'll see you then.